Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Jason. Welcome to Skipped on Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. Today, we're going to be talking about the Smiths song, Paint a Vulgar Picture, from their 1987 album, Strange Ways, Here We Come. I'm really excited to talk about the Smiths today because they're such an interesting band with so many things about them that don't quite fit in the paradigm of of a lot of other bands. For example, the Smiths are hugely influential. Like you probably won't meet a famous musician or 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 a person that's in a band of some kind that won't at least cite the Smiths as being a, a band they enjoy. You know, I feel like a lot of them would say like, "Oh, they're you know a huge influence on me," yet. Most casual people, most people who are just like the casual music listener probably wouldn't know a Smith song if you told it to them or, or played it for them. Yeah, I, I'm far more of a casual fan and I don't know if I ever heard a Smith song, you know, on like rock radio or anything. And it's partly because I'm not really sure where the band fits in. <laughs> I mean, it's they're they're an 80s rock band, but they don't sound like. You think of like, you know, the the glam or you think something like The Cure or maybe some of the more polished pop bands and they're not any of those. Yeah, they exist on such a on such a unique plane that kind of sets them apart from everybody else. But it's crazy because when you hear bands, you know, like, you know, a band talking about an influence of theirs, they say a, a very obvious one, the Beatles. But, you know, pretty much everybody can name at least one or two Beatles songs. And you have like Led Zeppelin, the Rolling Stones, like all these hugely influential acts that change music for, for in many different ways. They, they cross over into a, a totally mainstream popularity and the Smiths, while incredibly popular and incredibly successful, didn't really quite get into that place where, you know, even your grandmother can name a Smith song, you know, it's just, that just never happened. Yeah. Yeah. They found some area where you're like, very popular but not a household like at, at least by song title yeah you know people would be like oh the smiths i've heard of them but yeah as far as like a song title go you couldn't tell someone like oh the smith song how soon is now you'd be like i no idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it, what's interesting about this this whole thing is that the fact is is that the song that we're going to talk about today paint a vulgar picture kind of touches on what we're talking about in that it is this commentary on the music industry made by a band at pretty much the end of their career, although they didn't know it at the time, probably when this song was written. But this song is very meta in that it's it's the band talking about being in a band in the music industry during a time where the band hasn't really found that mainstream popularity at all in in the sense of like, you know, the big ones like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Who, but still is monumentally successful and influential at the time. So so this is really interesting because I don't think I don't think we've covered a song on the on this show that has been so on the nose talking about what's going on within the band at the time. So this will be an interesting discussion to have. 
The Smiths formed in 1982 in the Greater Manchester area of England. According to guitarist Johnny Marr, he simply showed up one day on lead singer Morrissey's doorstep with the offer of starting a band together. Although Morrissey and Marr had known each other since 1978, the two weren't really friends at that point, more like casual acquaintances. They discovered after spending a few hours together that they liked a lot of the same bands and both seemed to have interesting ideas for how to approach music. The day after this meeting at Morrissey's house, Morrissey called Marr and told him he would accept his offer of being in a band. The two started writing material immediately, with Morrissey providing pre-written lyrics and then the two working together to compose the music around the words. This is why a lot of songs from the Smiths sometimes sound as if Morrissey is singing a different song than what the band is playing. By the end of 1982, Morrissey had settled that the band's name would be The Smiths. He chose the name to emphasize the normalness of the band's members as they stood in stark contrast to the high-fashion new wave movement happening at the time. The musicians in the Smiths wore jeans and t-shirts, and Morrissey famously wore thick-rimmed glasses that were provided by the UK government to low-income people who had vision problems. He also occasionally wore a hearing aid despite not having any hearing issues. Morrissey did this to express solidarity with the normal people of the world. Around this time, Morrissey, who was born Stephen Patrick Morrissey, decided he would henceforth only be known as Morrissey. Eventually, he forbade anyone in the band or working with the band to call him Stephen, a name he despised. So if you ever meet Morrissey and you want to piss him off, call him Steve. (laughs) (laughs) I just love the worst totally normal and Stephen a totally normal name. I I no longer want to be. No, 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 yeah, I'm totally a normal person just like you, except don't ever call me my normal name. <laughs> <laughs> with a name and some songs completed, Morrissey and Johnny Marr put together the rest of the group with a bassist named Dale Hibbert and a drummer named Simon Wollstonecroft. The four of them cut some demos and started handing them out to labels and promoters. However, no one wanted to work with the group. The drummer on those demos, Wollstonecroft, had no interest in being in the band permanently, so the band found drummer Mike Joyce instead. The band also started performing live shows. However, bassist Hibbert was allegedly uncomfortable with how gay the band seemed. Morrissey's theatrical singing and penchant for holding flowers while on stage made the Smiths seem like a very different band from other contemporary acts. It's not totally clear if Hibbert quit or if the band fired him, but he eventually left the Smiths to be replaced by Andy Rourke. This finally leaves us with the classic lineup of the Smiths, Morrissey on vocals, Johnny Marr on guitar, Andy Rourke on bass, and Mike Joyce on drums. The band was having a rough time getting anyone to work with them, though. They eventually got a break when a label called Rough Trade agreed to fund a single release from the Smiths rather than a full record. If the single did well, Rough Trade might take things to the next step. The band released the song Hand in Glove as that test single. Check it out here. Hand in glove, the sun shines out of the blinds. Now it's not like any other 
Although the single didn't tear up the charts, it sold well for over 18 months, proving the band had staying power even if it wasn't going to be a massive hit out of the gate. Rough Trade agreed to fund the Smiths' debut album, and the band went right into the studio to start laying down tracks while simultaneously playing live shows all over the country. The band also continued to release singles during this time, including This Charming Man and the song What Difference Does It Make, which you can check out here. In 1984, the band released its debut album simply titled The Smiths. It featured many of the singles the band had already released, as well as other songs that are now classics, including Still Ill, Pretty Girls Make Graves, and the controversial The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. That song, as well as a few others from The Smiths, drew controversy as people interpreted Morrissey's lyrics as condoning pedophilia. Morrissey and the rest of the band vehemently denied this to be true, and the negative publicity just bolstered the band's success. Even though The Smiths only had one record at the time, that didn't stop them from quickly releasing Hat Full of Hollow, a compilation of singles, b-sides, and alternate versions of songs the band had previously recorded. This compilation did well in The Smiths' native England. Early in 1985, the band released their proper second record called Meat is Murder. A much more political album than their debut, the album's lyrics touched on themes such as corporal punishment, alienation from one's friends and family, and the obvious anti-meat industry sentiment of the title. Interestingly, the song How Soon Is Now, which is probably the band's signature song, was not originally on the Smiths' first album or Meat is Murder. It was included as a B-side to the 1984 single, William, It Was Really Nothing. The band re-released How Soon Is Now as a single to promote Meet Is Murder, and eventual re-releases of the album included the song on the main tracklist. Check out How Soon Is Now here. Outside of How Soon Is Now, Meet Is Murder only had two official singles. Although the single That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore fared poorly, the song has gone on to become one of the band's most iconic tracks. Check it out here. It doesn't make me smile I wish I could laugh
barely taking a break, the band toured to promote Meet His Murder and then quickly entered the studio again to cut a third record. During this time, tensions were flaring in the group, mostly between Morrissey and Johnny Marr. Marr felt the band's touring and studio commitments were too extreme and he was drinking heavily to compensate. Morrissey was starting to take more control over the Smiths and limiting its musical scope, which Marr resented. Meanwhile, bassist Andy Work was becoming addicted to heroin. He was temporarily fired from the band by Marr, but rejoined only a few weeks later. Despite all the turmoil, the band still completed its third record in 1985, titled The Queen Is Dead. However, Rough Trade was dragging its feet around the record's release, so it didn't actually come out until seven months later in 1986. When it did land, though, it was a critical and commercial success, spawning the successful single, The Boy with the Thorn in His Side. That song is cited by Morrissey as being his favorite song by the Smiths. After the release of The Queen is Dead and the mess made by rough trade surrounding it, the band left the label for EMI, one of the largest labels at the time. This was a contentious move for Smiths fans as they felt the band was selling out. This is important as the reputation of the Smiths as a counterculture act is a prominent aspect of, the, of this episode's song, Paint a Vulgar Picture. In 1987, the band released its fourth and final album called Strange Ways, Here We Come, which features Paint a Vulgar Picture. We're going to talk quite a bit about this album soon, so we'll just let you listen to the final single from that record called Stop Me If You Think You've Heard This One Before. Even before the release of Strange Ways, Here We Come, Johnny Marr had left the band. Allegedly, he left after reading a gossip article that said the Smiths were on the verge of breaking up. Marr saw the article and thought it was planted by Morrissey, which didn't end up being true. Regardless, Marr left the Smiths and the band called it quits shortly after. Strange Ways, Here We Come ended up being the most successful Smiths album in the U.S., but the band was already done. Let's step back a bit and talk a bit more about this record, the song Paint a Vulgar Picture, Morrissey and Johnny Marr, The End of the Smiths, and how this all ties together. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skippedonshuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. But you could have said no if you wanted to. You could have said no if you wanted to. I am TV, BBC, police. 
I mentioned at the top of this episode being more of a casual Smiths fan. And in preparation for this episode, I listened to pretty much all of the Smiths that I could find. And I definitely have to say that this is the most listenable album, I think. Um, I, it's it's the one that was the the nicest listen for me, I think. Not that I didn't enjoy the other albums, but I think it's interesting the the song specifically being about you know fame and everything and especially Morrissey struggling with this idea of what is famous because here's a band with albums that are on the charts but still feeling like the band isn't going anywhere but also limiting the potential of where the band can go by fighting with Mar over the band's sound uh it's it's I don't know it's just an interesting mix of these tensions I think on on the album where you can kind of hear the the bigger commercial potential of this band and kind of new musical directions there's a lot of keyboard on here for instance that Johnny Marr was bringing in um I, I don't know I'm not, I'm not quite sure what to say but I think if you're more of a casual fan like I am listen to this record and I think you'll become more of a Smiths fan. I think it's really important to note that the band gets together in 1982, releases their first full-length album in 1984, releases their second, third, and fourth album each year afterwards, and then breaks up. So we're talking about a band that in five years goes from, we're just, you know, in, in Morrissey's living room, like, let's start a band, and then five years later is broken up, and with you know four very successful records plenty of very successful singles successful tours all this stuff so one of the reasons that more uh, that, that John Johnny Marr left the group is because he was just exhausted he was like we're working way too hard we're doing all this stuff so it might be more that Morrissey was like we're working so hard and we're doing so much yet we're not you know the biggest band in the world like that might be like what he's trying to say with with a lot of the songs on this record and especially Pain of Vulgar Picture is, you know, the fact that like we work nonstop. We're, if we're not touring, we're in the studio. And if we're not in the studio, we're writing songs. And if we're not writing songs, we're touring. Like it's like they're constantly working and it's all been contained in this very short period of time. It might just be a frustrating thing for him to be like, why aren't we enormous? But you're right in saying that like, Maybe they weren't as big as like, you know, Led Zeppelin, but at the same time, they were still like very, very successful. So that kind of brings in the idea of like who Morrissey is as a person. And I think we should talk a little bit about that because maybe there are people out here or listening who are who don't really know who Morrissey is and like the kind of like person that he presents himself as. So let's kind of like explain the the mystery of Morrissey <laughs> a little bit here. <laughs> If, if you've heard of Morrissey, chances are it's because he said something controversial that has offended, you know, a, a large majority of <laughs> of people. That's kind of how I came to know him. And maybe that's a little bit why I'm just like the Smiths. Like, I don't know. Um, but I mean, the music is very different from. Well, maybe not so. Maybe not so different. Um, but but Morrissey definitely makes this character for himself. Um as we were prepping this episode, Scott, I think you said it best, like calling him. He, he likes to see himself as a martyr for all sorts of things. It's like, I, I never get to fall in love and no one ever loves me. And the industry is against me and all these people are against me. And I never achieve anything, even though as, as you know, successful rock star in a very successful band. And so many of the songs are, are 
so many of the Smith songs kind of talk about that. Like last night I dreamt someone, somebody loved me. So you get it right in the song titles. Never mind, you know, unhappy birthday. Just you know, just over, over and over and over again. This kind of um, person where everyone's against me, even though part of that is just him being so forward with some of his statements. And, and I mean, you have to kind of appreciate that he means what he says in these songs, I think, um, despite kind of playing up this persona of, you know, this misfit outcast character. But, you know, some something on the album like, uh, you know, calling an album Meat is Murder more acceptable nowadays. But, you know, back in, you know, 1980s, especially with, you know, Morrissey's background of, you know, struggling this working class family and you know, working class surroundings and suddenly coming out and being like, everyone should not eat meat. Yeah. Try telling it's, like a guy who's like living on unemployment or, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. just like a regular blue collar worker, like, you know, oh, you shouldn't eat meat in the eighties when like, you know, vegetarianism was not nearly as uh, commonplace as it is now. You know, that's kind of like this pretentious, you know, this pretentious thing. I think that's like, that's probably a better, yeah. is pretension like personified basically so you can imagine like being in a band with somebody like that or, or being in anything with somebody like that whether it's like a job or a relationship or or whatever with somebody who's constantly saying like i am not popular no one likes me i am not successful meanwhile you know you looking at them and being like no you are successful look there's like so many adoring fans who you know are clamoring just to like meet you and just be near you and and all that and once again that's something that gets touched on in this song pain of vulgar picture but we just wanted to, to make sure uh the listeners understand that that during this time of of making strange ways here we come this record that this song appears on the band is being torn apart and as i mentioned in the history the the band doesn't even survive long enough to see this record release this release this record comes out after the band is officially broken up so it's an interesting song in that we are getting a first person view into what it's like to be in the smiths but through the 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 eyes of this completely pretentious asshole basically and and so it's you you can't quite take everything for granted but at the same time it's not very often that you hear a band write a song about being in the music industry that's as direct as this and i mean there are probably plenty i'm sure we could list off plenty of yeah there are more subtle ways that people have you know criticized the record industry or fame but morrissey doesn't really mince words it's just here's 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 how i feel about this and i'm just gonna tell you and yeah so let's let's dive in a bit to the to the lyrics of this song and talk about what morrissey is basically or, or what we think he's trying to say with this song paint a vulgar picture i touched you with the sound check you had no real way of knowing in my heart i beg take me with you i don't Faceless, I was fawning, I was boring a child from those ugly new houses who could never begin to know. Scott had mentioned this earlier in the episode, and I think this song, Paint a Vulgar Picture, is a great example of it, is this disconnect that happens sometimes between the music of the Smiths and Morrissey's delivery, where it almost seems like the two don't 
kind of go together. And it's also a great example of Johnny Marr's guitar playing, uh, which we called is pretty unique. It's this bright, interesting sound. And this song in particular, I feel like, is one of his catchiest riffs. And I think you get distracted by Morrissey singing. But let's take a quick listen to Johnny Marr's guitar sound so you can get a better sense of what he brings to the band. So I feel like for this song, you have Johnny Marr laying down this super catchy riff in his own way. And then all of a sudden Morrissey comes in. He's like with the lyrics at the record company meeting on their hands, a dead star. And it the song just goes somewhere else completely because this guy showed up suddenly singing, singing in, you know, quotes, singing in this like more, you know, this crooning Morrissey way bringing the song down completely from this, you know, kind of like bright poppy tune that the song started out as. And I think that's kind of a thing with the Smiths is just like the music seems happy or it seems like it's in a particular place. And then Morrissey comes in and just tramples all the flowers. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, well, let's, let's, let's check it out right here. So this is, okay. this is, so you got, you got the opening thing that we played with, with Johnny Mars guitar, the band comes in and then all of a sudden Morrissey lands in and completely changes the trajectory of the tune. So here we go. At the record But yeah, I, I totally agree with what you just said is that, is that that seems to be like, like the Smiths in a nutshell. And I think, I think I, I, Noel Gallagher, who's a member, uh, who's the, the lead songwriter of Oasis, which we have an Oasis episode. If you want to learn more about Oasis, check that out. But Noel Gallagher cites the Smiths and Johnny Marr in particular as being one of the most influential groups on him uh, and his songwriting. And I think at one point I read like uh, Noel Gallagher's like top, top 10 British bands of all time. And the Smiths was on there. And, you know, there were some big heavy hitters, you know, the who the Beatles, obviously the stones, all these huge, huge bands. And then the Smiths were in there. And, uh, at one point I heard Noel Gallagher describe the Smiths as the best guitar player ever with a singer who can't sing. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, you know, like Johnny, uh, Johnny Marr is such an amazing guitar player. And obviously most people who listen to this, they're not guitar players. So we can't really go into like why he's such an amazing guitar player. Cause we just end up boring you. But, 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 it's, but it, uh, just to interrupt, but to put it simply, he doesn't do things that everyone else does. Like yeah. you, you would expect someone to, you know, be busting out the power chords in a rock band and doing all that stuff. And he goes, yeah, in a completely different way. 
Right, because and he's able to do that because he's somebody who is an amazing, amazing guitar player who under it's it's that old adage of he understands the rules so that he knows how to break yeah, the rules. Yeah. Whereas Morrissey is just horrible. Like he's just <laughs> not a good singer. But at the same time, rock music allows for that by saying, like, you can be a horrible singer as long as your sound is so distinct that people can identify with it. And, you know, like people like Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins and uh Brian Johnson from ACDC, you know, these people that have literally horrible, horrifying singing voices, but it works so well in what they do. That's kind of like where Morrissey fits. So yeah. So anyway, so this is the song paint, paint a vulgar picture has all that going on. It has every like trope of the Smiths of this like incredible band playing this very intricate, so, so well written and so well played music. And then Morrissey coming in and just trampling on everything (laughs) and making it and making it a Smith song, which, which is what makes it work and what makes them such a, such a distinctive, distinctive group. So, so anyway, so, so let's go into like, what, what, what is Morrissey talking about here? Like, uh, like you said, the first line of this song is at the record company meeting on their hands, a dead star. So let's, let's get into this and talk about like what exactly he's saying here. As is the case with a lot of Smith songs, there's a lot of lyrics here. Morrissey is not afraid of just writing and writing and writing and then trying to figure out a way to cram it all into a song. And, so and we're not going to go over and long song titles. <laughs> yes, and long song titles. He loves those long song, song titles. Uh, so so we're not going to go through every single lyric here because that would take forever. But we're just going to pick out some choice lines that we feel really summarize like what Morrissey is trying to say here. So. Uh, obviously we had the opening line at the record company meeting. So he sets the, the stage automatically from right from the very first line of being like, I'm going to talk about what it's like being in the music business with this song. Here we go. And then he, there's a couple other lines here that sort of summarize what he's kind of criticizing. So there's one line where he says, reissue, repackage, reevaluate the songs. I knew him first and I knew him well the sycophantic slags all say these are these are just i'm just picking and choosing lines here uh best of most of satiate the need slip them into different sleeves buy both and feel deceived so what is he saying here he's basically saying like you, when you're in a band you have to figure out ways to constantly make money off of the band by repackaging your your material over and over again and also, no, nothing makes money like dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, yeah. even though even though it's you know in the context of there's this you know star on the record company label that's just died, and these executives are all talking about how to make money off of it. But I don't. I I think that's just for the context of the story because I think Morrissey is talking about these conversations go on whether you're dead or alive anyway. Yeah. Totally. So here's some other here's some other things in here just to sort of send it home. World tour, media whore, and when it fails to recoup, well, maybe you just haven't earned it yet, baby. And that's really interesting because that's a Smith song. <laughs> There's a Smith song called You Just Haven't Earned It Yet, Baby. So he's self-referencing the Smiths in the song as well. So it's very clear. I mean, like I said, we're not going to go over all the lyrics. If you're really interested, go online and find the lyrics of this song. But... It's very clear. Morrissey does not do subtlety in this song at all. It's very clear that what he's doing is he's negatively criticizing the music industry in relation to himself and the band that he's in at the time, which is the Smiths. So one would assume 
that somebody who is, you know, making a, a, a taking the time to write a five and a half minute song on an album that is only 38 minutes long <laughs> to talk about the music industry and how much he's feeling trapped and, and whatever in the music industry. This is clearly very important to Morrissey and something that the band got behind in order to make it onto Strange Ways Here We Come. So it's interesting then to learn about the idea that the band, even during its time, but especially after it was over, doesn't really stick with what this song is trying to say. Uh, we're, you know, the the band is constantly reissued, constantly set up to, you know, I mean, you can go into an Urban Outfitters and buy yourself a Smith's t-shirt, which it would seem this song would represent a band would not want to do, you know? Yeah. Or, or if you went, you know, into a record store, well, not, not right now, but <laughs> you know, if you went online and you were like, I'm going to pick, you know, up like best of the Smiths, you'll find like five different compilations of like best of greatest hits, you know, different, different compilations. So clearly they had to, I, I would assume on some level, approve some of these reissues i mean i don't know what the 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 deal was um but they've also this is also a band that has had royalty issues as well after the breakup of the band um the other band members kind of coming and saying that they never were fairly compensated i think it was the bass player andy rourke um brought a lawsuit against them because johnny marr and morrissey took basically the lion's share of the the royalties from the band um, so you even have kind of Morrissey talking about like, oh, how the record company is unfair when also here he is, you know, potentially shortchanging people. I mean, take it for what you want if, you know, the credit should be equal because Morrissey and Marr are the leaders and writers of the Smiths and they're doing most of the work. Uh, but again, you know, interesting that there's this whole other level going on of how much credit or, you know, fairness is there even in the, the context of the band. At another point in the song, he actually kind of calls out the idea that the band members should have some control over this. So he says in, in the song, but you could have said no if you'd wanted to. You could have walked away, couldn't you? So he's basically like kind of criticizing the idea that that they could have stopped this as a group. Like they could have said no, don't do that. Don't re-release this package. Don't do this. Don't don't you know create another compilation of the of of our material. But but clearly they didn't. Or if they had any control over it, they you know they didn't they didn't actually exercise that control. So really, this song becomes such a microcosm of Morrissey in in that he is just being a super pretentious cock basically he's just being such a a jerk he's he's proselytizing about how you know the smiths are so marginalized and so controlled by all these other people but at the same time not really doing anything about it and 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 like you said profiting off of everything in in the end anyway and then i think there's a kind of weird flip side to the song with I touched you at the sound check. You had no real way of knowing. In my heart, I begged, take me with you. I don't care where you're going. There's also this side of it's almost fine to put more of this material out there because people are making a connection with it. Like, clearly, you've seen, you know, people make a connection with it. And I think it's unclear whether he's talking about him seeing someone else perform and being touched or him 
performing and noticing, you know, someone else's reaction in the audience. Like clearly there's something important happening there, some kind of connection. And I think that's might be a way that he's justifying doing all this is by saying, yes, I'm putting more music out there and making more money off of it. And on the one hand it's wrong, but on the other hand, you're making more connections with people and it's making their lives better. I think, I I think we get in a few of the, the lyrics there. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's this really interesting, it's, it's complicated in, in a way. And that's kind of what Morrissey's lyrics are. Like they're, they're very complicated. As I mentioned in the history, you know, there was one point where people thought that he was condoning pedophilia in his songs, especially in a song like the hand that rocks the cradle, which if you read the lyrics of that song, there is, it's, it's very, it's, it's not un, unreasonable to, to, to see that someone could read it and be like, wow, like this is weird. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what he's saying here. This is a little, this is making me feel a little uncomfortable, but at the same time, like, you know, we can trust that Morrissey is not condoning pedophilia with his music. He's not a horrible person. He's just pretentious. But it should be noted that, and this is something that people who maybe don't know too much about the Smiths don't don't really know, but the Smiths have kept their integrity and have lived up to what this song is is saying by the fact that the band has never ever reunited and most likely never will. And I mean, you can find articles online of all the amounts of money that have been thrown at the band, especially Johnny Marr and Morrissey to reunite for just like one show. I I think there was a thing that they were going to make like millions and millions of dollars if they played at a Coachella festival, just, just, just one show, just, just come out and play Coachella, do a show and you'll, you'll make millions and all they say, and they've turned it down every single time. And, you know, I mean, we could go on, we could make a list of dozens of bands that have broken up and been like, you know, we are never getting back together and then got back together. I, I used to find it really upsetting when a band broke up and now I'm just like, well, I'll just wait the, you know, five years that I need to, and they'll show up again. Yeah, totally. The only band that I can think of that has not gotten back together is the Talking Heads. Yeah. And even then, they did get back together for their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. It looked very awkward, but they were all it on stage together. It looked very awkward, <laughs> but they were, all on, they were all on stage together and they pulled it off. So the Smiths have not been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So maybe that's what, that will be what it takes you know, to finally get them back together. But the idea of the band reuniting and going on tour is, is not going to happen likely. So that's one thing that the Smiths have done that has been like, we are not getting back together and they've stuck with it. All the other stuff though, they haven't. <laughs> well, considering criticizing record company people sitting around a table, I'm not sure that'll be the, the Hall of Fame that... <laughs> 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 or yeah, they'll just I, the, or, or they'll just do it to be ironic. Yeah, I think they've been I think they've been nominated twice now to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and and, and e- e- both times it hasn't happened. So, you know, eventually it's got to happen. Like we said, this is a hugely influential band. This is a band that so many musicians look up to. So, it's going to happen at some point and it'll be interesting to see what will happen then as far as the Smiths go, but judging from the lyrics to Paint a Vulgar Picture, don't expect too much. Most of satiate the need Slip them into different sleeves Buy both and feel deceived Climb a new entry, the entry World tour, media hall Please the press in Belgium This was your life And when it fails to recoup Just haven't earned it yet, baby. This episode was interesting for me to do because I hadn't really listened to 
a lot of the Smiths. I think I have pretty much everything in one form or another. As we've, we've talked about all the reissues, I think at some point I have... I think all the albums. <laughs> I thought there were more. I thought there were more than four because of all the compilations. Uh, but it's interesting that the Smiths took me a while to listen to, because as we mentioned, so many bands cite them as such a huge influence, and that's never really the thing that gets me listening to a new band. But I had heard a cover of "There Is a Light That Will Never Go Out" by somebody I really love, Joseph Arthur. He's not super popular but feel free to look him up um and he had done a cover of that song and that's kind of what led me into listening to the smiths a little bit more so i feel like i always need a little bit more of a a nudge than just somebody saying like no this is a band you should listen to it's a little bit like we did an episode on the cure and it was kind of the same thing like i needed some extra push to listen to it even though i knew a few of the songs and had some of the music and would occasionally listen to them uh so it's kind of the similar thing with the Smiths. And as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I think this album is the album that can get you into the Smiths because to me, this one was way more of a fun, interesting listen than some of the other records. I'm not really quite sure what it is about this one. Uh, I'm a huge fan of last night. I dreamt somebody loved me and maybe that was the thing that kind of hooked me, but I'm not sure what it is, what I miss about the 80s British goth or darker bands that exist <laughs> that I seem to keep like being like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know why I don't listen to them. Um, so I, I don't have much connection here kind of beyond that. But just to share that, you know, covers are a great way to get into other bands, because when you hear someone that you love do a song, they're like, oh, I love that song. And it's not even theirs. Like, who is this that they're you know, covering and playing. Uh, and that's kind of how I first heard of and kind of came to listen to the Smiths. But I would def- definitely recommend Strange Ways, Here We Come, if you're not a big Smiths fan. I've mentioned this a few times in a couple of episodes that when I was younger, growing up in the mid-90s, you know, c- becoming a teenager and starting to like make my own decisions and do what I was going to do and whatever. Uh, it, it was, it was at a time where if, if a band didn't play crunchy, heavy, distorted power chords and once in a while have screams and yells and whatever, then I wasn't interested. Like that was, that was kind of my attitude as a young kid. So it took me a while to kind of get into this, as you mentioned, this like darker eighties, kind of sound with bands like The Cure, Depeche Mode, and 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 The Smiths too. And it, it took me a while to get into it because I was just so, like I said, I was just I was just so laser focused on what I thought rock music should sound like that I didn't give those bands a chance. So it wasn't until like my late teens, early 20s that I started listening to The Smiths and and finally connected with it. And I think the reason that I started connecting with it at first was because of the music, not Morrissey and the lyrics. In fact, at first I found Morrissey and his singing annoying, but it was, it was specifically Johnny Marr's guitar playing where I was like, what is this guy doing? You know, like the, uh, the intro to how soon is now is this weird, like reverse guitar part that kind of sounds like this swirly trippy kind of thing. And Johnny Marr did that by, by 
by laying, I think, six different guitar tracks down, reversing some of them, doing whatever. And as I mentioned, Noel Gallagher is a huge Smiths fan. And at one point, he he asked him, he had Johnny Marr, was, he, they were hanging out. And he said, Johnny, how did you do this thing? And Johnny said, honestly, I don't remember. And Noel categorized that by saying that Johnny Marr is so good that he doesn't even know how he's so good. <laughs> and so that's that's how I first got into the Smiths because I was like, what is this guy doing with the guitar? As Jason, as as you mentioned, it, it he's he's doing so much stuff that you just don't expect. It's just such a refreshing thing to hear in a, especially in the eighties where there either wasn't a guitar at all, or it was so straightforward and simple that it wasn't interesting. And especially with nineties guitar, like Nirvana, like it was like, okay, yeah, you can play the bar chords. Great job. You know, what else can you do? And Johnny Marr is such a different player. And so that's what kind of got me connected to it. And it wasn't until my mid twenties that I started to really connect with what, with what Morrissey was saying and how his unique style of singing and lyrical content was just so, smart and funny but still like dour and and all that so it really it was like it was like years from like first hearing the smiths to like finally connecting with the smiths and and feeling like they were like a a band that i really 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 enjoyed but even then even though i'm you know as jason described i'm definitely a bigger smiths fan than him if someone were to you know have a gun to my head and say scott you have to write down your top 25 favorite records right now do it i don't think i would put a smiths record on that list and i don't know why like i totally don't know why i think it's just because i don't think of them as an album's band and that might be because of the fact that there's like you said there's so many compilations yeah the there's first a lot smiths of singles al- there's yeah, yeah all kinds of stuff everywhere the first Smiths album that I had was Louder Than Bombs, which is a compilation. So it was the first thing that my first introduction to them was this this compilation thing. So I don't think I've actually ever thought of them as a band that I pop, I put on a record and I sit down and I listen to all 10 tracks from beginning to end. Like I just don't think of them that way. To me, the Smiths thrive as a playlist band, a band that you put on a Smiths playlist in random order and whatever comes up is what comes up. And in a way that makes them like ahead of their time. It was almost like they were like anticipating that Spotify was going to be a thing in 30 years and uh, we should make it so that our songs work well together, played at random. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it, they're such a weird thing. Uh, when we were studying for this episode, I found that all four of the Smiths albums appear on the Rolling Stone top 500 albums of all time. And we could, we could argue about what, you know, what Rolling Stone says and whether or not they're relevant anymore or whatever. But the fact that all four of the Smiths, that's their, their entire studio output is, is on the Rolling Stone top 500 records of all time. That's not something that a lot of people can say, you know, that a lot of bands can't, can't say that. So this is a band that's so revered for their music and their albums. And for whatever reason, still, I I don't think of them that way. I think of them as a singles band. So so in a way, this might be the first and only time that we will suggest not getting a Smiths album. Like, don't go out and buy all the albums. Don't do that. Get a compilation and then start there because that might be the best way to to listen to them. But either way, I think it's a band uh, that takes a while to grow on you and takes a while to connect with. Uh, and and maybe you won't, you know. There, there is that whole idea that to connect with a band like the Smiths or like you're saying, the Cure, Depeche Mode, all these like darker goth bands or whatever, maybe you have to sort of be 
more of an outsider. Maybe you sort of have to be the kid. Be, that, be in the mood. As yeah, well. you you had to be the kid in high school who was bullied because they wore weird clothes, or the sad boy who still wore makeup, you know, or whatever. Yeah, other, you know? Otherwise, it's going to take you a decade or two, like yeah, <laughs> it has for us. Yeah. For some, yeah. Yeah, if you're not the outsider, then maybe you won't immediately connect with it. But if you aren't an outsider and if you are a person who just enjoys music and maybe have written off the Smiths because they're too weird or they don't quite fit into the paradigm of what you listen to or whatever, I think they deserve a listen and I think that they're a band that um, that that earns its merit as being one of those bands that are hugely influential and, and cited as being you know one of those bands that I think uh, blur the the band Blur started, they, they got together after watching a Smith performance. They were like, we need to be in a band. This has inspired us to be in a band. And I think that's something that you can't ignore. Uh, you have to sort of at least give the Smiths a chance if you want to be the kind of person who has an all-around musical perspective. Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Please visit our website, at www.skippedonshuffle.com for more news about other episodes and our upcoming schedule. We are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please visit skippedonshuffle.com for links to all of our social media pages.